Welcome and thank you for listening to the 9-7 Podcast. Where we talk about our journey from 9-7 to now. We are your hosts, Neil and Mary Robinson. Though we aren't relationship experts, we've learned a lot along the way since 97. Welcome back. Hey y'all. So today we're gonna have a special episode where we talk about something near and dear to our hearts and uh current event well not so current by the time you hear this episode but it's happening right now for us and um i think it's a good topic for us to talk about and something that affects us all very closely coming from the african-american community so i wanted to start out by asking mary how do you feel about the events of the last couple of days with um george floyd and the uh, Black Lives Matter protests and, and things like that. It's been tough. Like it's it's been a a heavy time for me because not only is it, you know, close to home in the way of you know, I have you, you know, my my amazing husband who you know is extremely brilliant, but this guy <laughs> but when you go out in the world, many people don't don't see that. They just see another black man. And I have a son that I'm raising who one day will uh, hope, you know, prayerfully things will change. But if it stays like it is right now, he'll grow up, you know, the the playful and joyful black boy joy that runs around the house all day will grow up and be a threat to someone you know I have my daughters who I'm you know raising to be strong black women but again we're still black I have my brothers and my my nephews and cousins and and countless others who are black men that I deeply care about and so when you see things like this like you, I'm literally at a loss for words because I'm at a loss for words and, but not at a loss for emotion because mm-hmm. it's, it's a very emotional thing. And not only that, but then, you know, I see a lot of people saying, you know, well, why is this one? Why that one? Well, for me, every time it just brings up all the little microaggressions that I've ever been through yep. on a personal level, mm-hmm. you know, or, or the things that I've seen you go through, you know, in, in your, your career, like it, it, it just brings all of that yeah, the, swimming back, yeah, coming like down you said, on your shoulders. The, the microaggressions, the, the small, um, slights, that happen on a regular basis is sometimes big slight. Yeah, it's like a death by a thousand paper cuts. Exactly. Until you have a a large situation like like this one, or or some kind of interaction with the cops, which is what I would consider like a large aggression. Yeah. Right. So it's 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 really difficult in a lot of ways. Just thinking about all of that, and then you know I'm very thankful and I feel very blessed that we've never had to deal with a direct, you know, haven't had to deal with any direct violence on anyone that we knew personally. But whenever I see a black man disrespected or 
um, belittled, belittled or murdered, mm-hmm. it's personal for me. Yeah. And it's just one of those things where it's like, really? Yeah. Like, when? You know, my, my grandparents marched and were very active um, in political things as well as civil rights and only active in the political part because they saw the need and the importance of being able to speak for those that couldn't. Yeah. And, you know, I grew up in, in, you know, in and around people like my grandparents who were very strict about, you know, us presenting ourselves in in a way that we could be respected and um, talked very candidly about civil rights and things that they did and some things we honestly didn't find out until they had already passed away because you know when you're when you're doing a lot all the time it's kind of hard to relay every single detail but some things we just didn't know and then we're hearing it from other people like wow we didn't know that he did that too Mm -hmm. you know but I think that's the thing that because I have the same thing with with my grandparents um being active military right um you know during a time when you know they probably had to deal with Jim Crow and different things like that and on top of that uh, being really politically astute I know for me I learned almost everything I know about politics from my grandparents and particularly my grandfather Um, it was almost a, a rite of passage growing up when you could engage in political conversation with grand, grandpa right. at a level where he, you know, you could tell when he took the gloves off, so to speak. And now you're having a real, a real, real conversation. Yeah. A real discussion. And, 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 and that was, that was really informative. I took it as a, a life lesson when I got older and I started understanding the political arena better. But I think it was really it was really interesting, you know, when I when I also being active military came home on leave a couple of times and sat and had real conversations with my grandfather right. about politics because that was the first time where I saw how policies and who was in leadership positions could have a direct impact on me, right? So Exactly. You know pre 9-11 and then post 9-11 really really highlighted that for me dramatically you know and I think um I think the thing the thing that I can call out though is the fact that right now we have a situation where we have a lot of people gathered together and I think that unity is is very important yeah 100% I think and it was nice to see honestly if I put a silver lining on on these events seeing different people from different groups and different backgrounds um at least at least making the 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 effort to show some unity or or to show that they cared in some way was a was a nice gesture and a sentiment um it was definitely nice to see you know more than just a sprinkling of white people just to be blunt or um Asians or Latinos out there, it was nice to see that there is a uh, wide array of people all in for the same cause. And then even all around the world, it's been pretty amazing Yeah, to absolutely. see 
those images. I, th- I think it's one of those things that slowly people are starting to understand that it affects them too. It's not just a us situation, but you know, if you're if you're tan enough in a particular situation, then you could also be one of those people that are a victim of the situation. So I think that's what made it important, you know, that other groups showed up. Absolutely. Be- because, you know, that that could be an unfortunate incident. And if it starts in one community, it could trickle to other communities. And again, one thing one thing I do want to call out is, um, as a black person in America, mm-hmm. I don't claim to know what other communities go through. That's true. When it comes to police brutality, because because this is my community, I am biased by the lens of. I see what happens in my community right. and what's happening to others that look like me. And I understand that's a natural bias that most people have. Right. So, it's a bias and it's like, you know, it's it's a responsibility. Like, we're responsible for understanding what's going on in and around our communities. And when you have something so blatantly put into your face over and over and over again, mm-hmm. you know, it's... It's a burden even that yeah. you have to bear in order to try to make a change and make it better. Yeah. I think I think for me though, like most things, especially when it comes to protests, I'm always keen on what happens after the marching, what happens after, you know, like Occupy Wall Street, if you remember that. Yeah. You know, like what happens later and what change can you affect? What what are the outcomes? I think well, what I really hope is that one of the big outcomes for this for this one is that people start to understand the the power of voting. Yeah. I think that's the biggest outcome that, that I can actually hope for is that everybody who marched um turns around and votes. That's right. But but not just in the national election. Right, not I just think November twenty twenty. Yeah. Do 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 your due diligence to get out there when it's the, oh, we're voting for the school board. Well, yes, because you you have a responsibility to your children to make sure that they are getting the supplies and, and the resources and the um, staff that they need. And if no one's voting for school board members that are going to uphold what you believe in the area that you live in, then you're setting that up to not go the way that you want. Yeah. And I think it was one of those things we were talking about earlier, right? When we were talking about um, the idea that, you know, from from a federal level, they could supply federal dollars to a locale or something like that. And then based on the people you have in, in positions of authority at the state level, that can make that funding change, mm-hmm. right? Because that then gets filtered through those people. And then when it gets to your actual locality, like to your neighborhood, the people who are on your city council or the mayor or the, the administrator's office, the, the treasurer, all of those people then in turn filter it again. So now you as the citizen who that original policy at the federal level was supposed to help or support, right. you lose out on that help or that support because of the people you have essentially in power at the local level. Right. So, you know, I'm a firm believer in 
voting at every level, local, state, and federal. That's right. You know, do you did you have any insight on that? No, no more than what I've already said. It's just a lot of people don't understand. Like, you know, the media, which controls a lot, they hype up the federal election, you know, because it's a nationwide thing. So a lot of people really get behind the, oh, let's vote for a new president. But, you know, I just remember there have been times when we didn't even know if we were supposed to vote or not. Yeah. Or where, we were, like, when we when you move to an area, they don't, at least our realtor and, um, you know, whoever's responsible for letting you know that. <laughs> yeah. They didn't tell anybody. us where where we were supposed to go vote or like i mean we yes we changed our voter registration we've always voted but it's just one of those things that's not in the front of your face yeah you and have I feel to do. like it needs to be um more visible way more visible than yeah. it is yeah. like we would often see we would start seeing the signs and then investigate ourselves to figure out where do we go but and and i know i'm 100 percent sure that we're the rarity in that matter yeah like, yeah. most people are just going to say, oh, they're going to rely on grandmama to tell them. Mm-hmm. Or they just not going to do it because they didn't know. Yeah. But at the same time, I think that also feeds into the, the need to, um, you know, we're fortunate in the way that we can, you know, go vote on a regular basis. But I think uh, one of the things that's really tough is, you know, people that work, you know, regular nine to fives and how... You know, it's hard sometimes, one, to know that you vote when you've been doing two jobs or pulling a double shift to make extra money or ends meet. And not only know that you are supposed to vote, where to vote, right? and get time off and get to time go off. vote. I do remember when I was in the classroom teaching, I would have parents who, you know, we would get into conversations about things of the, you know, political nature and um, voting times and, and things of, of that nature and they would you know have these stories about I would go but I can't right you know when you literally are working to make ends meet and you can't afford to take off or to arrive late for fear of losing your job and then yeah. you can't feed your children and I mean just that snowball effect yeah of if I don't go in, I can't pay my bills. Yeah, and that's terrifying. So it's it's terrifying because yeah. then you don't know if it's going to be a five minute in and out or if it's going to be a I'm um, out here for wait. an hour yeah. trying to cast my ballot, or I can go to my job, make some money, not get in trouble with the boss man, mm-hmm. and put food on my table this yeah. week. That's one of those things that I wish. I, I want to figure out how I wish there was some way to put pressure on different businesses to to make a way for people to vote because that's extended that's, lunch hour or something. Yeah, because that's almost like another form of voter suppression. It, yeah, hundred percent. When you when you can't get off from work to to exercise your civic duty, you know what I'm saying. And it's sad because, from my understanding, we're one of the only industrialized nations where we have really low voter turnout. You know, which is which is hypercritical in all of our processes that affect us on a day to day. So that's something I really, really wish we could uh, find a way to alleviate or at least 
organized at some level to to make that better right you know because that's that's going to be hypercritical going forward but really that's you know it's been it's been really trying and it's really emotional yeah i was going to ask you you asked me how how do i feel i'm wondering you know i can tell you how i feel from the perspective of a black woman and the fears that i have had around it but how do you feel as a black man excuse the noise in the background we're having a storm (laughs) yeah so for me it's just one of those things where you know it's it can be emotionally draining but it's one of those things where i try to focus on the actions i can do to help move the conversation forward i try not to I try not to hyper-focus on the event because that can get depressing. But being an action-oriented person, I like to focus on, okay, well, what can I do to increase awareness in voting, i.e. use our platform to put that message out? Or, um, you know, what causes can I support, you know, financially? Or, you know, even... What businesses can I support Yeah, what businesses can I support? You know, what can I do to help make the community better even even to the point where you know we started the nonprofit right in Virginia to you know you know help people understand all the different fields you can be in in technology without necessarily needing a college degree or um, you know being a mathematician or something like that right. so it's just things like that that I think improve the conditions and help improve our community through um action is is how that's like my coping mechanism yeah you know to just how can i empower our community to be more self-sustaining and more efficient because i think as our community gets stronger our voice gets louder and then we get members of our community that become da's and judges you know things like that things that when you know, because they're in that position, when someone who looks like them shows up, right? They're they're not throwing a book at them, and they're not doing mandatory minimums, and they're not, you know, they they come with a little more compassion and empathy and understanding. Right. So, I think if we can, if I can personally affect a couple of households and help them be more stable mm-hmm. and have a brighter future outlook financially, or or even job-wise, you know, helping people be career switchers, things like that. I think, you know, because the the whole thing is the economics of the world start at the nuclear family, right? right? So if, if, the, if the process of generating wealth starts with the family, then by enabling families or helping people in those situations find better situations for themselves, then I think we empower them to you know get through the hierarchy of needs and when they hit a certain level then that kind of Marcus Garvey let's build our own and have our own kicks in and then they seek out those kind of things and right. and the more I can spread that I think that's that is my what's the word my medicine for this condition you know right. to 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 push that kind of agenda so that's that's kind of how I I cope with this kind of thing you know I go help another small business with a website or 
you know, deliver my technical expertise to somebody um, in the community at a reduced rate, you know, right. than, than the market value so that they have, you know, a, a fighting chance, right. you know, in this market where so many things are, are put or against pit us. against, yeah. You know. I know one of the other hard or difficult things that I've had to deal with is just our younger two children we haven't really said too much because they're pretty little but our oldest we've definitely had to explain a bit of what was going on um because because I homeschool we you know can gear her education toward what it is that she enjoys and she's always really enjoyed the um she and she's in she enjoys learning and really understanding successful black women yeah, like yeah, yeah she's always just attached to i want to learn more about um these black women especially black women in science and tech yeah. and she has a real heart for african-american people yeah and so and entrepreneurship and entrepreneurship so you know, having to talk to her about this was really difficult because all that she, when she looks at, you know, the black world. people yeah. and, and the world that black people live in, she's like, black people are amazing mm -hmm. and we are special and um, we do amazing things and, and we don't, we may not get enough credit for what we do, but we do it anyway. And so when I had to tell her, okay, because we talked to her a little bit, um, I can't even recall yeah. the, the time, but we've talked to her a little bit over the years, but this one, because we, you know, at least me, I was visibly, like, not okay, and so I had to tell her about it, and when her little face looked at me and was like, I don't understand, I don't understand why. And I looked at her, and all I could say was, I don't either. Mm -hmm. You know? And yeah. I was like, I, I, I can't answer that. Why? I can't answer it for you. All I could say was, you know, we teach you that we are amazing. We teach you that people do amazing things. You are to love everyone. But not every household is like ours. And some people don't teach that way and those kids that are taught that way grow up to be adults that think that way and then they act on that mm -hmm. and I mean she she didn't get too visibly emotional I know she ponders a lot so I'm pretty sure it'll come back around but um that's a difficult thing to have to do yeah and you know in in a not so very far off from now because of unless the world really make some changes we'll be having that conversation with our little guy yeah about what to do yeah and you our, know and our other daughter yeah well you know and at the same time our oldest will be driving soon yeah so that comes with his own set of stressors you know that she you know will be at the driving age and could be on the road even with one of us right and have an adverse interaction you know that could um really tells been out of control and and that's the the constant worry that's the constant you know dark cloud that yeah. sits in in the universe that that we have to deal with i think um 
I think that's always the the tough thing as a parent. You you work so hard to build uh, not necessarily the ideal world, but the world that helps make your child as productive as possible, and you yeah. want them to be great humans, but you can't control the outside world and. You definitely can't guard them from it because then that'll be major culture shock when yeah. you go out into the world. Yeah, yeah, that'll be crippling. That's not even a yeah. question of shielding. It's just, it's just still just tough to have the conversation. Right. Like, I I can't think of a parent uh, in our in our friend group, and I can't think of a parent that I know outside of our immediate friend group that doesn't have that same struggle. Yeah. You know where it's like man, my son's 15 or he's five and I feel the need to start having this conversation with him so he understands or my daughter's, you know, 12 or my daughter just turned 18 and now I feel the need to have these conversations with her. And for a lot of kids, it's again. Yeah. It's not having the conversation for the first time at 12 or, or, or 18 or seven. It's, having the conversation again. Right. And that's just, as a parent, you want it to always be fresh in their mind. Right. You know, when you're out of the house without me, keep these things in mind because right. everybody doesn't see the world the way we do. We do, right. You know, so it's, it's, it's a tough thing. But I, but I think through all of the anger and frustration and rage, I think this time around, the energy feels a little different. Why do you think that? Um, it just it just feels a little different. I think, you know, like what we were talking about before. Well, you, what you were explaining to me actually was, you know, with the pandemic. Yeah, that and, perfect storm. It's yeah. You know, anxieties are high already because of the pandemic, and you couldn't go anywhere. Yeah. Nothing. Nothing. Quarantine. Quarantine. You watched everything there has been to watch on Netflix yeah. and Hulu and yeah. all that jazz. And there's no basketball. No sports to even the, even to the, occupy your attention. Even the Michael Jordan thirty by thirty was over was by over. now. The conversation about it was done, and everybody's just consuming media all day. Yeah, yeah, and 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 then you have a large group of people out of work. Yeah. So not only quarantine, but and they 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 can't work from home. So now they're quarantined and they can't work from home. So now all you have is media to consume. And I think like you would like we were talking about earlier, I think that did put it very front and center in people's minds when it happened because there was no distractions. There weren't any at all. There's nothing else to look at. You can't pretend it didn't happen by watching football or watching a new movie. You know, you couldn't go watch, uh, you know whatever on on netflix or hulu or any of those stations you it was just there in your face and then it was on everything so it was everywhere whatever social media you use it was there and then if you didn't use social media it was still there yeah so someone sending you a text or whatever the case may be is on the local news is in the newspapers so there was no way to escape it this time and i think but i think i think that had a positive effect because I think uh, in what has been coined online as white allies, it, it it was something that now you can't you can't ignore. Yep. And you can't use willful ignorance. Well, I just won't pay attention to exactly. it. I'm going to watch the Stanley Cup or whatever. Because at on. this point, the people who haven't said anything, their silence is very loud. Very loud. Very loud. It's 
particularly on this issue and particularly this time around because of that perfect storm like you were saying yeah it's like oh you you really you really aren't going to say any not anything yeah yeah i think the post that got me the best though was the one when somebody had put up um you know when we said you invited to the cookout this This is is the the cookout. cookout that's the truth yeah that was the one that really that was the one that really i think drove it home like if you call yourself a a, a white ally and you're not here you're not protesting right now with us then you've lied to yourself right you know you're not an ally and you have some either implicit or or subconscious bias that you really need to self-examine yeah. and I, I go ahead i'll tell you one thing it's helped me to very um to streamline my social media <laughs> <laughs> friends and all those folks because I, I'm not going to stand by while you try to hit me with the all lives matter. If you if I have to explain that to you again at this point, then your intelligence level is telling me that we don't need to be friends. Yeah. And, you know, the people that are just talking real crazy or sporadic. Real crazy about things. Oh, it's It's been nice to go ahead and see the true colors come out and really block folks mm-hmm. and conversely it's been really nice to see um young people mm-hmm. really speaking up about it because you know in the i was in the classroom as a teacher for 10 years and i still call them my babies even though most of them are 18 and over now but um you know it's been really nice to see my babies that are you know non-black I didn't really teach at a school that had a lot of white children, but a lot of my little Filipino babies and the Latino babies and some of the little, the my my white babies, they would they were putting stuff out there, marching and protesting. I'm sending them messages like y'all be safe out there. Yeah, we will, Mrs. R. You know, mm-hmm. and they respond back. But it's it's just nice to see the the young people really out there moving and you know standing up for what's right and. And being just as, you know, young as I expect them to be in the way of energy. when they see foolishness, they're going to bring that same energy, but they're going to bring it in a way that's like, what you ain't going to do, you yeah. know? <laughs> energetic, yeah, that yeah, youthful that, energy. Yeah, that youthful fervor, like, mm-hmm. oh, I'm going to jump on this because you, what you're not going to do is disrespect, you know, this group of people that if you can't see the injustices that they've suffered then what is really wrong with you yeah what's really going on i think um i think that's that's an excellent point mary and i think that's another thing that you know at this stage in our lives i think um you know not that those fights are for the youth but i think i too enjoy the passion of a young person because i remember what it was like to be 18 or 20 feel invincible and have that that not only that energy but that drive and motivation to want to change the world single-handedly, you know. And it's nice to see uh, the youth be able to stand up and have a moment where they can uh, (coughs) affect. Is that the right word? (laughs) Affect or effect. Affect. Affect. That's a verb, right? Mm -hmm. Affect everything going on around them, you know. I I think, you know, again, just to reiterate the point, that is really important to me that they they take that energy 
and turn it into votes and votes at the local level, votes at the state level, votes at the federal level. Right. You know, I think that's that's hyper important because what we've seen, you know, in our lifetime, if we didn't know it, is the guy who's the governor soon eventually becomes a senator. You see what I'm saying? Yep. So that gubernatorial race becomes really important if you like this guy is is essentially being groomed to be the next senator of my state. And we've seen it where it'll be a trickle up even from I uh, start out on city council, then I'm a mayor, then I'm a governor, yeah. then I'm a senator. Like, yeah. you know, where they're really taking your thoughts and your considerations to mind because they've trickled up the mm-hmm. system. And so now they have a good understanding. But if you're not there to vote these people in mm-hmm. at that very local level... And I think that that also gives them a consequence, right? Because right. I think a lot of times citizens feel like politicians are these ultra-powerful people <clears throat> that are invincible when really all of their power comes from you. Yep. They report to you. You are their boss. And I'm like, if you're, if you're a politician and I'm not satisfied with what's going on and I feel the need to protest... You might want to go ahead and start packing your bags because if the situation has devolved to a state where I feel the need to protest and you're in office, mm-hmm. then it's almost obvious that you haven't done Something, the job, right? You know, or you're not really acknowledging my needs as a constituent or as a citizen. So if I'm dissatisfied then you should just expect to not be in office. That should be the first conclusion that right. you have when I feel the need to protest in the streets. you know. And I think by voting at the different levels, we can put that, that level of understanding in our politicians to say, at the end of the day, you represent me right. and my needs as a citizen, not your own needs, not your own agenda, that's the whole idea of being a public servant. You know what I'm saying? It's it's a public servant. It's servant leadership. Right. So that means you need to understand what I care about. Right. And then what I care about is what you should care about. And at the moment you don't care about it, you need to know you're going to lose your job. Exactly. It's the same expectation we have for everyone else. You go to work and people go, you should care about what you do at work. And, and as the, soon as you don't. Don't. It's all right. Well, well, have a good, have yeah. a good one. It was, it was nice to have you here, but it's time for you to move on to right. greener pastures or something like that, or anywhere but here because yeah. you obviously don't, don't want to be here. Yeah, you don't want to be here. You don't want to do the work. So I don't understand why we don't hold our politicians to that same level yep. at every level. Right. You know, like if the governor, ain't, if the mayor of your city's not doing a job, he just needs to expect that there'll be a new mayor. But at the same time, I think that goes two ways, right? Not only should he expect to lose his position, but it should inspire other people to try to obtain the position. Right. Which I think is another another problem, right? Because we have a lot of politicians that run, you know, uncontested year over year over year. And it's like, why? Right. You see what I'm saying? Like, if, if you're dissatisfied with what's going on in your neighborhood or at the school, then you should run for school board. You know what I'm saying? You shouldn't... I don't I don't like when people say, 
Well, I hope they I hope they fix that. Yeah, let, the whole they thing. I'm over that. Yeah, let me tell you what they need to do. No, well, let me tell you what you need to do. What you need to do if you Go see ahead, the replace, problem, replace the word they with your yeah. own name. Yeah, and then we can have a conversation. Exactly, because if you see a need in the community, then you need to be working on how we're gonna fix this. Right, thing. right. Even if it's not you directly. Right. You know, but in the way of politics, if you see your council person isn't doing the job, or your chamberman, or whatever the position is then you should, you should stand up and say, I can do this job better and go run for office. The worst thing that can happen is that you lose and you're right back where you were before. That's right. the worst thing. The best thing that can happen is you actually get the office. Right. And now you can literally make the change that you were hoping to see in the community. So right. I think this whole thing turned into a big PSA for voting. <laughs> it did. You got on your soapbox and yeah, there. Yeah, because I, I care. I care. And having voted as much as I can in, in my adult life, you know, outside of being deployed to a foreign country. And even then, I was trying to figure out how to absentee, how to vote. absentee vote. So it's near and dear to my heart. And I think people underestimate how much their vote counts and how much it affects their day to day. You know, people that are apathetic. And be like, I'm not gonna vote because my vote doesn't count. Your your decision. Your silence counts just as much as your vote. Exactly, does. exactly. Your indecision is a decision. Right. You you know your your this uh, being indecisive. Right. Is a is a decision, and and that worries me. You know, I rather more people vote, especially people of color. You know, what I'm saying, I I I would expect more people to vote because then the the governments at the different levels will actually reflect the people's interests. Right. And not, you know, again, as an industrialized country, let, you know, with 40% or less of people voting, you know, saying that means there's a very small margin of people dictating the outcomes for a for 60%. Right. You know what I'm saying? And I would rather more than 60% of people vote, you know, or higher. So that way, you know, it actually looks like the population. Right. So that's that's the end of my soapbox. I'll step down now. You can take over. You were certainly on there for a while, but we are just about at, well, we actually are over our set amount of time. Um, I would just say this, like with everything going on right now, um, being people of faith, I rely on my faith, even when I am too overwhelmed with everything going on, I've opened up a devotional. It gives me a little bit of peace. Mm -hmm. um, talking about it to an extent can give you a little bit of peace. Sometimes it gives too much. But then, like we had said before, find ways that you can help. Things that you can do to assist the people that are actually out trying to get um, real change to occur, whether it is um, going to, you know, a, a peaceful protest um, in your area or researching and finding organizations to contribute your money to. Yeah. Signing or a petition. Signing petitions, um, supporting black businesses. All of those are things that... Go and vote. <laughs> that we... 
um, have done. Of course, we, we really can't protest with it still being the pandemic. We don't have um, child care for our babies and we, we're just not going to go out there with them. That's not something that we want to do. But um, finding ways that you can contribute to the cause is the best thing that you can do. And there's tons of resources out there right now of things that people are doing that they could use some assistance with to make things better. Yep. And so with that, we'll close uh, this episode. It's essentially a bonus episode. We just wanted to touch on the subject because it was on our minds. And I think, um, you know, this has always been a little therapeutic for me. So I think it helps just to say it out, get it off our chest and, you know, put it out in the world and, and, Hopefully we get feedback from you guys, and and if not, at least you know our thoughts, and hopefully we've inspired someone, or you understand that you know some of the stress and and grief you feel, you're not doing it alone. That you know there are other families at different levels that that have those same issues. No, you, you know you're not in the fight by yourself, but you still have ways that you can contribute to the to the whole. Exactly. Well, thanks for listening.